Locked On NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we'll stop in San Antonio to speak with Jeff Garcia of Locked On Spurs about uh, franchise legend Tony Parker moving on and what that means for the Spurs and uh, the legacy that Parker has left in San Antonio. We'll speak to the Locked On Timberwolves host, Colton Molesky, who is in Vegas about the Timberwolves Summer League squad and his general thoughts on everything going on in the desert. And lastly, we'll go to John Corrales of Locked On Celtics and get his thoughts live from Vegas on the Celtics Summer League team uh, and how their young players are faring and his general thoughts on everything he is seeing out at Las Vegas Summer League. It's all coming up. The biggest stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, welcome to Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at redrock underscore bball. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast and I'm the lead analyst at basketballmonster.com. Free agency is well underway. The NBA draft is in the rearview mirror, but we're finally getting to see these players on the court at Las Vegas Summer League. So I'm going to be talking a lot about that and some of the free agency moves in today's Locked On NBA podcast. So let's get to it. Time to bring in the host of the Locked On Spurs podcast. That is Jeff Garcia. A um, another one of these moments that we've seen over the past couple of seasons, Jeff, of uh, a changing of the guard in San Antonio with Tony Parker not retiring, but heading on to the Charlotte Hornets in uh, in free agency. It's going to be weird for everybody to see uh, to see Parker in a Hornets jersey, but for you in particular and all Spurs fans, um, what are your feelings? You know, a day or so removed from this decision from Parker to uh, to move on to Charlotte. It's going to be a, a little bit of a weird thing next season. It's a bittersweet, Josh. It really is because on one hand, I, I get it, why he left. You know, he was not going to have a significant role in San Antonio. He was not going to get the payday he got with the Hornets. And let's face it, DeJounte Murray's on the rise. Derek White is looking pretty solid right now at the 2018 Summer League. And, of course, you know, you, you, you got – you know, the, the the new guard, so to speak, taking over in San Antonio. And Parker had been relegated to the bench. But it's also good. I'm glad that he didn't completely retire and call it a, a career. Uh, to see him go to the Hornets is bizarre. It's weird. Uh, he's, he's a silver and black guy, not a white and teal or whatever the color scheme they have out in the Hornets land. But nevertheless, he joins a team that I think fits him well. It's a very young team, Kemba Walker, Malik Monk, a very young coach that he's really familiar with, uh, James Borrego. He, you know, he's going to inject that Spurs corporate knowledge into the Hornets, and I think it'd be great for him. Look, last year, maybe the numbers didn't scream, you know, Tony Parker, classic TP, but you've got to remember, he was coming off major leg surgery, yeah, and he made it... Yeah, and it was a serious injury, a rapid, a rapid recovery, uh, way ahead of schedule. And he himself did admit that maybe he pushed it a little bit too much to get back on the court. It wasn't indicative of what he can do despite 17 seasons in the uh, NBA. And I'm expecting Parker to look a lot better than he did last year. 
now that he has a full amount of rest, uh, a new uh, uniform, a new change of address, a fresh new start. I think uh, TP may not be classic TP, but it'll be a very solid TP, something that the Hornets desperately need right now, more veteran uh, presence on their roster. Yeah, we know the Hornets have been really lacking in terms of backup point guard play. Michael Carter-Williams struggled there last season. They had Julian Stone. Malik Monk took that role at the end of the season, and Parker gives them a real solid option behind Kemba Walker. He's not the same guy that he was through all that uh, Spurs playoff success quite clearly, but he moves on to a different situation for him that the San Antonio Spurs fans, you have to adjust to the loss of Tim Duncan, adjust to the loss now of Tony Parker. It looks like it's going to be adjusting to the loss of Kawhi Leonard, although that's at this point yeah, not settled, so lots of things changing. But, uh, Jeff, how much do you think that the decision for the Spurs... And, and Tupacus had a two-year, $10 million contract, so $5 million a season. The Spurs weren't looking to pay that much out to Tony Parker. How much of that decision do you think is based on not only the play of DeJounte Murray, an all-defensive all team player last season, but the way that Derek White has risen, especially through this summer league. We just touched on that before. He has been spectacular. He looks too good for summer league, and that's an awesome sign for a guy in his second season where he's dominating pretty much every contest he's out there. Do you think that this play of Derek White made the Spurs go, well, Parker's a legend and all that, but you know, we've, we've got someone now who can play his role and maybe play it to a, a higher level than what we saw Parker do it last season? Yeah, I think, uh, well, I'll take one, one player at a time. I'll start off with DeJounte Murray. I, I, I'm predicting he's going to have a breakout season next year. Uh, it The reins are completely his now. The uh, master is no longer there to assist the apprentice. So now he's at the fly on his own. Three years under his belt. Well, going to have three years under his belt. And, you know, look, he, he pretty much sucked the knowledge out of uh, Parker uh, during uh, Parker's tenure. I can't believe I'm saying that. During Parker's time in San Antonio. So DeJounte's ready to not only spread his wings, I think he's going to be a lot more assertive on the court, uh, not only just on the physical aspect and the X's and O's, but I think on a verbal level as well. Now, Derek White, yeah. You know, look, he's coming off a G League title. He's coming off another summer league where he's looking unbe- unstoppable. Yep. But we really haven't seen, and and in the in, in the G League, aside from the title he won with Austin, just in their regular season and postseason, he was just lighting up the scoreboard. The issue is, though, can he do that on the NBA level? Look, heading out to Vegas and Utah, the Spurs summer league coaching staff said one thing: he is making, or he has made leaps and bounds in every aspect of his game. I just want to see if he can duplicate this against NBA talent. I'm not knocking summer league talent. I'm not knocking G, G League talent. I am just saying, can he do this at the biggest level uh, there is in the world when it comes to the game of basketball? We haven't seen that. I like what I see, Josh. I am, I'm drooling at every moment I'm seeing him light up the court right now in the summer. But I hold back a bit and say, okay, White, let's see if you can do this. When it's counted on. Now, look, he looked pretty okay and pretty solid when he got spot minutes versus the Warriors in last year's uh, first round series with Golden State and San Antonio. But if he gets consistent numbers, can he duplicate what he's done in Austin, in the Summer League, on the highest stage in the in, uh, of basketball in the world? Then I'll be convinced. But right now, I do like what I say. And I, but at the end of the day, I just think Parker leaving because of Murray. Yeah, there is a bit of that. Um, 
because of Derek White. I don't know because the Spurs still wanted him to stay behind. They wanted him to take a mentor role uh, with not only Murray, I'm assuming White as well. But I think the time has come. This Spurs team needs to let go of the past. There's only one-third of the original big three left as of now. We don't know if he's going to retire or not. But I think it's time. uh, Changing of the guard is very appropriate for this segment that you and I are having, not only for Tony Parker, but also – from the big three, time to transition away and stop leaning on that, those glory days, and let's start the new chapter in San Antonio. Yeah, it's it's, it's rebuilding on the fly, trying to get these guys in, and we saw that. You know, you know, Popovich made that decision last season by putting Murray in as the starting point guard, even when Parker was back, and it, it came through, and, and Murray played really well. Obviously, yeah, tremendous confidence there. Parker, I don't think there's any sort of acrimony in terms of him leaving the, the fans aren't going to be upset at this decision. I don't think the fans are upset at Parker. I don't think there's going to be any um, negativity towards the organization uh, at all. It, it seemed like it was marginally on the cards over the past couple of months that there's a possibility that Tony's going to leave. He moves now to, to play alongside his French national teammate in Nicola Batum in, in, uh, in Charlotte as well. It seems like not, it's going to be weird. It's going to be like a watching Hakeem Olajuwon playing for the Raptors sort of a situation. Yeah. Parker played for 17 seasons in San Antonio, but it's almost as perfect a way as you can have a, a team legend going to another team without any sort of real, uh, negativity from either side. It almost, aside from a guy retiring with that one team, it's almost the perfect way uh, to leave there. And Jeff, it's going to be a big change for San Antonio. There could be more changes coming for this team in the offseason. And everyone wants to hear about all those things. Make sure you are tuning in to Locked on Spurs for the local expert knowledge. And Jeff is your local expert. Jeff, thanks for coming on Locked on NBA and talking about the uh, big Tony Parker news. Thank you very much, Josh. Let's now bring in the host of the Locked on Timberwolves podcast, live from Las Vegas Summer League, Colton Molesky. Colton... First of all, I hope you're enjoying the uh, the nice uh, temperate uh, climate there in Las Vegas. But more importantly, the Timberwolves have had two games so far in Las Vegas. What has stood out to you uh, with the performances, especially from the players that they drafted this season? Well, first of all, it's been a balmy 107 today, which has actually cooled down from yesterday. So it's been it's been lovely here. I'm having a great time. I'm loving being at the Summer League games, loving being out here. Super uh, glad that I've been able to take advantage of the opportunity. And I'm super happy about the Timberwolves, too. I think that today you saw the version of Joshua Kogi and, uh, and Keita that you wanted to see uh, in the first game that maybe you didn't see right away. I think that you're just experiencing maybe a little bit of a comfort level, getting used to each other, feeling each other out. I think you said Josh maybe over-pursue a lot or or not really uh, stay sticky to his man in transition. That happened really early on in this game against Toronto. But then he had some really nice plays on the defensive side, really got involved uh, on that side of things. He ended with four rebounds, had some nice blocks, uh, particularly the one at the end of the game that they call a foul. But you watch the replay. He didn't touch anything but the ball. and That was a, a really nice block for him. You saw him find his shot, ended with 16 points, still shot 5 of 15, but found a little more of a rhythm in this game. And then uh, Keita Bay, 24 points, shot 7 of 15 with 11 rebounds. He was looking very nice, really did a great job finishing around the rim. Uh, just some other guys that stuck out to me. Uh, Jared Terrell, uh, a guy I liked at Rhode Island, a, a really nice piece as far as a strong guy who's going to play on the perimeter, likes to shoot from outside, likes to play perimeter defense, but he's a little bit bigger of a guy. Kind of like a, a poor man's Jamal Crawford who just, 
is in the gym a ton more. Uh, had knocked down some nice shots, ended with 13 points, and had some really nice defensive plays, made a couple steals. Uh, and so overall, I thought it was really encouraging performances from a bunch of young guys on the Timberwolves. Even if you look at guys who aren't first-year players, Emil Jefferson had a really solid game as well, shot really efficiently, 6-for-11 uh, from the field and ended with 15 points and 13 rebounds. So really encouraging stuff from the Timberwolves. I want to talk to you just for a minute about Emil Jefferson, who was with the Timberwolves at Portions last season. He's had double-doubles in both of these games. He put up big numbers in the G League last season. Um, he's one of those guys that, that I get the feeling he's going to get an NBA opportunity at some point this season, but it, it might be hard for that to occur with the Wolves, with Towns, Gibson, Jeng, and now Anthony Tolliver, and of course Justin Patton with you know, five big men there already. But has Jefferson shown you enough, or at least in these couple of games, to make you think that, yeah, look, if worse comes to worse, if an opportunity does arise, that he can hang as a uh, as a bench big man in the NBA? Uh I'm going to need to see it more consistently because that was the problem with Jefferson, right? It's not that you didn't think that he had some of this in him and that he couldn't play a solid role in controlled minutes. It's that he doesn't do it consistently. And I know it's just summer league, but if you can do this, uh, if you can play like this throughout the entirety of summer league, now maybe you're starting to show you that you you're you figured out how to key in this kind of play every single game but I, i'm going to need to see him continue to play throughout the rest of summer league like this i don't know if two games is enough for me yet you talked about josh Kogi, uh and he has had four blocks and four steals through both of uh, both of the games that timberwolves have played here in vegas obviously defensive ability and defensive upside was one of the big reasons that you know people were high on him coming in the shot was a, a little bit questionable and it looked a little bit that way so far but yeah, his defensive prowess, he looks to be you know, really a, a step above a lot of the players here in, in Vegas in terms of his ability you know, to impact the defensive end. Is that sort of thing, and rookies are notoriously poor or, or below average in that area, is, do you think that's something that's going to at least be able to make Tom Thibodeau warm to Okoja, whereas he generally doesn't have that sort of opinion of most rookies? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent that is going to be the difference for Josh Okoja is that he has that edge. And uh, I think he, he, talking about or talking with him after the game, he said that at the end of the day, no matter what happens with his shot, he knows that he can bring that defensive mentality to the game. And he knew going into it, he, you know what kind of coach Tibbs is, you know what he's expecting. So uh, he's more concerned about being the best defender he can be. And I think the the really the the thought around this team is that the the shot will come eventually, and as long as he continues to perfect his his defensive prowess that's where he can really can really find minutes for the Timberwolves is when he's excelling there and we were talking with uh John Lucas uh, the summer league head coach for the Timberwolves about this too after the game is that really if you see Josh Akogi taking steps forward on the defensive side that is so much more valuable not only for him but for the Timberwolves than what he's going to be doing offensively this season. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Now, you're there you know, covering the Timberwolves, having a, a keen eye on what's happening with Minnesota. But, of course, there's plenty of other games going on in Vegas, Colton, and I'm sure you're checking out other teams and other players. Who has stood out to you from the other NBA teams, the other 29 NBA teams, in terms of what they've been able to do in Vegas? Well, I mean, Kevin Knox was definitely the most fun player to watch. And the Knicks were probably the most fun team to watch so far through the first few days. But that's kind of been become a popular answer. So I wanted to I wanted to go with something a little different. 
Uh, yesterday, I watched. I came in early and watched Gary Trent play. Gary Trent Jr. out of Duke play for the Blazers, and he quickly became one of my favorite players to one of my favorite watches throughout the day and, and into today. He is such a smooth offensive player. I think you saw him take just, or he was reduced to just shooting at Duke. And I think that he has so much more to offer, especially creativity-wise, what he's able to do offensively when the offenses run through him. I think he's a really fun piece that the Blazers now have. And he, he just floats past defenders. And he, he looked really smooth, really crisp, and he shot pretty efficiently as well. So I liked watching Gary Trent, and I, I've continued to like watching him. And I think that He's somebody that you should look out for if you are able to tune into any of these games. Make sure you're able to grab snippets of him. Yeah, look, he, he was interesting. Actually, the, the Blazers' other guy, uh, Anthony Simon, showed quite a bit in their games too. So there's a little bit to watch there with that Portland team. But 30 teams in Vegas for the first time. There's plenty there. Tons of games every day. Colton, you're there checking them out. And if you want to hear more from Colton and more about the Timberwolves, you, know, you can hear his uh, thoughts of speaking to these players. Go and check out Locked On Timberwolves for all your Josh Okoge and uh, Kata Bates-Diop and all of these Timberwolves guys for all of uh, Colton's thoughts. Check out the Locked On Timberwolves podcast. Colton, enjoy Vegas, enjoy Summer League, and thanks for taking the time out of your day to speak to us here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for having me on, Josh. We head back to Vegas now to speak to one of the co-hosts of the Locked On Celtics podcast. John Corrales is out in the desert, out uh, hopefully working on his tan and also taking in some basketball. John, Boston have played a couple of games out there in Vegas. First of all, I hope you're enjoying the, uh, the, the um, I was going to say tropical, but it's definitely not tropical out in Vegas. Hope you're enjoying the heat. Hope you're enjoying the basketball. And uh, <laughs> how have things looked for the Celtics in their Vegas Summer League squad? Uh, to answer that in order, no, I'm not enjoying the heat. Yes, I am enjoying the basketball. <laughs> and uh, the Celtics have looked, uh, you know, kind of mixed bag, but it's, it's kind of to be expected. Uh, I've liked what I've seen from Jabari Bird, which I thought would be kind of uh, the way it went coming in. I thought he would be the Celtics MVP for however many games they end up playing in this thing. He's got the most to gain. He's he's really hungry for a contract. He's on, he started last year on a two-way deal, and then this uh, he's a restricted free agent this year. So, And with the Celtics tax situation, I'm not 100% sure that he's going to be able to come back and fill that last roster spot. He might be a guy that's looking to get a little bit of an increased role, and he's not. he doesn't want to be the, the last man on a bench. But, of course, he wants to get paid to play NBA basketball, so he's motivated. Uh, I'm kind of mixed bag on Shemi Ojale and Gershon Yabusele, the two other guys, the established guys, quote-unquote. Uh, I expected a little bit more from Shemi because he was playing meaningful playoff minutes last year. Um, and same with uh, Gershon. They are also trying to work on a few things. It's, it's hard to kind of gauge what those guys are doing against what other players on the team are trying to do. There's a lot of guys trying to search for their own contracts, a lot of guys trying to take shots that wouldn't normally go to them. So it, it's kind of a mixed bag so far for the Celtics. Um, now, Gershon, he, he played decently well, I think, against Philadelphia. Uh, 16 points, seven rebounds. They a little bit, did a little bit defensively, but uh, a lot of the the focus of uh of how you say uh, weird Celtics Twitter is focusing on uh, his uh perhaps uh, thick frame. Uh, does he look? He looks bigger than last year. He looks. Uh, I think he looks. It's hard to say bigger because he's so big anyway. It's hard to really to 
put it all into context. He, he says he's lost a few pounds since last year, but he just still looks massive. So, yeah, the, the Celtics, Weird Celtics Twitter is really obsessed with the thick jacked frame of Gershon Yabuselli and Shemi Ojale. Uh, those two guys definitely the league leaders in combat muscles, as we like to say. Yeah, well, they're, they're, they've, got a, they've got a challenger in Portland with uh, Caleb Swanigan, who's, uh, who's looking uh, rather thick himself over there for the Blazers. <laughs> now, you talked about Ojale you know, playing playoff minutes last season. Of course, the Celtics are going to be welcoming back Gordon Haywood this coming season. Do you think that Ojale, with you know, maybe not necessarily dominating here in, in Vegas, which is exactly what you want second-year players to do, is that a, a worrying trend and you think that he could be finding himself pretty much on the outside looking in in terms of rotation minutes for this uh, coming season uh it's it's not encouraging so far it's only been two games so we'll see what he can do in the next three at least uh i, I think part of it is he is trying to work on some things so to make a crossover sport reference uh, a lot of times it's like a, a pitcher in spring training giving up a bunch of home runs because he's trying to work on his curveball. It's not necessarily something he would do in certain situations, but he keeps doing it because he's trying to work on it. And I think with Shemi Ojale, one thing I've noticed, is he, he is trying to facilitate a little bit more, and I don't think he's he's trying to go for his own offense. In the Philly game, he was putting his shoulder down using his – combat muscles as we like to say and getting himself to the rim so that was encouraging uh so i think he is trying to work a little bit more as a facilitator the celtics have talked about that with gershon and getting them at the top of the key much like they use al horford and they're trying to get those guys to become better more confident ball handlers better more confident passers so they can eventually kind of fill that role when they're when they're in the uh, Celtics offense during the regular season. Whole thing is about versatility, and they want to get those guys playing the five, but also playing five out and handling the ball, dribble handoffs, and passing from the high post. So I think some of it is because the Celtics are trying to work on that stuff, but we'll have to wait and see how the summer progresses here, the week progresses, to get a better sense of how much of it is that and how much of it is uh, you know, a lack of progression. Just quickly on uh, the Celtics' first-round pick, Robert Williams, who uh, is dealing with the knee issue. Do you think we're going to see him in Vegas here at all? Um, and what's the status on that uh, on that knee? They so it's nothing serious. He feels like he can go. Uh, he kind of said he was going to go, but I remember when we asked uh, the, the summer league head coach Jay Larinaga about that and saying, hey, hey, Robert says he's going to go. He laughed. Jay laughed okay. and said, we'll see about that. I think the Celtics see him as a, a longer-term project. They've got not only the on-the-court stuff, it's the off-the-court stuff that has, has really famously exploded in the past uh, couple of weeks. So they're, they're really going to try and take it really easy on him. It's, an, it's a knee contusion. He's walking around fine. It's nothing uh, spectacularly worrying, but they're going to play it completely cautious. So uh, I think every game is going to be a game time decision. I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of laid off or maybe played him one more game. So uh, it's, it's unclear there. The, the little bit that we saw of him, he was really working hard on, on picking and rolling. He was talking about setting the picks at the right angles, getting off the pick quickly and rolling hard. So they're really trying to get him kind of, kind of get that timing down on him. So he can, if he gets regular season minutes, get in there, pick, roll hard, catch lobs, because that's if he's going to make a regular season impact, it's going to be in that type of role. Now, 
you know, people can hear all about the Celtics stuff over on Locked on Celtics. But John, I want to hear your take just quickly on what else you've seen over there in Vegas. Um, you know, what other players have stood out? What's the weirdest uh, fan jersey that you've seen? You know, what else have you noticed <laughs> in your time out there? Uh, let's see. The, oh, I saw a good fan jersey. I think I saw uh, an old Warrior Sprewell jersey, which was cool. That's cool. Uh, that's a, that was a good one. Uh, I just got out of the uh, Washington Wizards San Antonio Spurs game in which Devin Robinson had about 50 dunks, it felt like. I mean, that kid, that kid was flying. Uh, he's, he's doing pretty well. You know, I think, and it's a story that I'm going to be working on later on this week. Ah, a little bit of a tease there. Uh, that the, the two way guys, I think, are, are starting to show themselves as maybe a step ahead of some of these other maybe second-year players because of the experience that they're getting. So I'm talking to a few people about that. Um, and, and he's one of them. So he was very impressive. Uh, from the Spurs perspective that I saw, uh, Metu was pretty cool. You know, he's, he's going to be a, a steal, I think, late in the draft. And, and obviously uh, Lonnie Walker is a super athlete. So, you know, it, I, I come away from a Spurs summer league game thinking, man, they just keep finding ways no matter what position they're in to get steals in these drafts, and I just don't know how they keep doing it. Yeah, um, Derek White's that other one for the Spurs, who's been fantastic here in Summer League and looks like he's uh, you know, going to supplant Tony Parker, as, as we spoke about with Jeff earlier on in the show. John, keep enjoying Vegas, keep enjoying the uh, combat muscles of the Celtics team and everything else that's going on out there. If you want to hear more about everything Celtics-related, check out Check out Locked On Celtics as John reports back live from Las Vegas. John, thanks for coming on Locked On NBA. That wraps up another episode of the Locked On NBA podcast. Colton and John live out in Las Vegas speaking with Jeff about the Tony Parker situation. Make sure you are subscribing to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, and leaving a five-star rating or or and review, not necessarily, or you can do both of those things. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Enjoy Summer League. Enjoy the rest of free agency. And guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.